Hello again, everyone. Welcome to our third episode of Blended and Beyond. Today we are on location. We are at McDonough Elementary School and we're going to talk about their STEM Academy and how it's been going and where it's going to be going and introduce our guests. All right, first, we have the principal of McDonough Elementary School, Mr. Damien Reardon. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing fine. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being on the show. And we also have the illustrious STEM coach, Lauren Mikulak. Hello. Thanks for letting us join today. That's right. And I kind of I, I beefed up your, uh, your title there just a little bit. I see that. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> much, much deserved. Definitely, definitely, definitely. So... We are, for each episode, we're kind of focusing on a different theme. And so we know that you guys have been really working hard with um, the STEM Academy. And what first came to my mind was how has it been going this year with everything that we've been dealing with and going through and knowing that project-based learning is, is a focus and when I think project-based learning, I think hands-on, cooperative groups, we're working together. How have you made that work during a time when we have to stay so far apart from each other and we have to disinfect things? And so I'm really interested to see how that's been going. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it definitely has been challenging for us this year. But with that being said, we were able to um, you know, use the hybrid setting to find some online platforms and learning experiences with technology that, you know, the teachers have decided they want to continue to incorporate into PBL for future years. So, you know, with the collaborative piece, trying to figure out, you know, students who are coming to school in person and students who are at home, we were able to use, you know, things like breakout rooms and Zoom for students to have um, collaborative conversations, uh, Padlet, um, inside Google Classroom, um, just, you know, setting up some different slideshows and letting students have the opportunity to explore new things. So that would, is definitely uh, the best way that we approached it. And out of that, out of this learning experience, we were able to adapt things that maybe we wouldn't have tried this year due to the fact that we were relying so heavily online. So maybe we should back it up just one step uh, before we go any further. What led you guys to this place in the first place? coming to project-based learning? Did it come with the, with the STEM tag? Was it something that was in addition to? Yeah, so I um, was brought on board after that decision was made. So Damien, I don't know if you want to speak to that more. Yeah, I totally can. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, you know, roughly three years ago, three and a half years ago, we started a discussion with Dr. Connor when he came on board and we started looking at, um, McDonough does house the talented and gift, one of the talented and gifted programs in the district. And we started looking at that program. And at that point, those students were receiving a STEM-based instruction. And what we started discussing was, well, this is really good for these students. But why, why isn't it that everybody else who tends, attends McDonough can have this type of instruction? And so from that really began, became the genesis for making this transition over the last three years to being the STEM Academy that we will be rolling out next year. 
So the first year we started working and planning and we had a three-year rollout. And one of the things we had to discuss at that time was, well, what, how are we going to ground our instruction around STEM so that it's meaningful for our students, so that they are becoming the independent learners that we want them to, be, to become, how are they becoming problem solvers? And by that time, Lauren had been hired, and we were fortunate enough that she chose to come to McDonough and to Middletown. And through collaboration with Lauren and the teachers, we really arrived at that point where project-based learning seemed to be the way to go because it didn't encompass all of those things. And then your work, Lauren, has really been around how do we make that happen? And this year, like Lisa, Lisa was saying, it's been, it's been interesting. You know, so we've gotten to the point where we're packing up materials to send home so kids can be doing things at home. We're trying to find those online platforms, you, you know, and then, and then really trying to make that project-based learning, and we'll just call PBL for short as we go forward, c- come to life. So one thing that I wondered, um, you guys started this up, Lauren, you came on board, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it was uh, beginning of last year? 2019. So you were here a year and a half, more or less, before COVID, basically. Mm-hmm. And then we everything had to change. So that kind of led to, not kind of, it did lead to a full remote experience, which then transitioned back into hybrid, where some kids were in and some kids were out. So how have you been able to perpetuate the project-based learning, the PBL, in both the remote and also the hybrid environment where some kids are both virtual and present. Yeah, so, I mean, just continuing off of the fact that we've incorporated a lot of online platforms that still allow our students to communicate, no matter if they're home or if they're at school, um, you know, a big part of PBL is it's always changing, it's always evolving. So every year it's going to change depending on our group of students, depending on our learners, their needs, their interests. Um, so with be- with that being said, uh, you know we're we're adapting as we go. So you know now that we have we made another shift and we have majority of our students back at school, we still have some students who are at home. So we're trying to figure out how uh, ways that we can you know increase the um, collaboration and work among students, but also being mindful of our friends at home. And one of the one of the questions that came up that comes up on a regular basis when I'm planning with the teachers is, well, how do we you know our students who are at home, how do we not isolate them from these conversations and make sure that they're, you know, um, getting that equitable access to their work. And, you know, that again, we're, we're just being mindful of that and just trying to find new ways to make sure that everyone has the same opportunity. So, um, I know for one of our PBLs that we have going on in fifth grade right now, they just are starting their, um, carbon footprint project and our students who are at home, which is you know a very small limited number, um, we're giving them more of an opportunity to work with each other online so that they have that similar experience, but then they're able to share out with our students who are here as well. Well, it sounds like a, a pretty legitimate real, real world experience, the ability for anyone to collaborate and work with someone who's physically present with them and also somebody who's virtually present with them online. I mean, that's a skill that I don't know about you guys, but we, I never had to worry about that growing up. It, it was unfathomable. So that these kids are doing this now is, is awesome. It's incredible. Um, 
you mentioned fifth graders, and that, that kind of led me to think about, you know, kids start thinking about their, their future careers at that age, right? Like, well, what are you going to be? So have you noticed any increase in the, your students who are engaged in project-based learning? Have they started to think about their future careers sooner because they're getting their hands dirty, as it were, with projects earlier in life? Yeah, absolutely. You know, a major component of PBL is to make it authentic for them, to make it real world, um, make it something they can relate to. So we are heavily focusing on connecting with community members, especially um, around Middletown, so that they can relate. It's great. We actually have some scientists that we're working with. I just grabbed a group of second grade students last week to test out um, Skype with a scientist, and we met with a scientist, um, an ecologist from Idaho, which is really cool. And you know, I'm getting feedback from them about if they like it, what they enjoy about having the opportunity to not only be exposed to the career, but interview someone and ask them questions. So practicing those skills, but um, you know, relating it back to Middletown, we want our students to feel like if this is something they're really engaged in, the work that this professional or community member is doing, they can make a relationship where if they want to reach out, you know, um, throughout their education or, or next year or when they get to middle school, they will have that connection and they will have that opportunity to explore that work further. Well, that's one point I, I did discover in my research and preparing for this is, is that it prepares the students, it gives the students an audience beyond the teacher. And I think what you just said highlights that. Mm -hmm. I, I just want to go back to what you're saying because I really, really like that you're so conscious of the fact that they're, you know, the students at home, they need that connection and they're part, they're part of the class. Like, you know, whatever, for whatever reason they're home, but they're, they're part. And I really like that that's at the forefront. Um, I wanted to ask with the nature of PBL and it's collaborative and cooperative, have you seen when, when students, um, more students came back, did you see that that affected um, the social emotional aspect? Cause that was something that, you know, we were, we were really thinking about when students were coming back, like there's going to be, this is, this is different. If you haven't been in school, you're going to be really, um, it's a big change. So having that built in component, did, did you see any kind of, of um, you know, benefit when, they, when students came back being able to work with each other in that social emotional piece? Yeah, we're definitely seeing more students being mindful of reflection. So when they're in the classroom and they're working through PBL and they're reflecting with one another, um, you know, as they follow the engineering design process to, to work on a prototype or work on um, their, their final product, they receive feedback from each other. And, um, you know, there's a lot of studies too. We follow the Lucas Education Foundation that focuses on how project-based learning benefits social-emotional learning of our students. And one of that is because it increases their ability to reflect, which naturally will help them organize and plan out in stages um, their work and be mindful of others' others' work. Um, and I think just overall, the you know, the rapport here too, I just, I hear more conversations from students. I hear them talking more about, um, you know, different careers or different things that they're finding out through PBL just through casual conversation. So I think this is really helping them kind of um, find their voice as they, you know, have the choice to, to explore their PBL. Yeah, and I think, you know, even more globally, just having the students back in the school has been really nice 
for, um, okay, it looked like my thing was going there. So anyway, um, I think more globally, thinking about it in a more global fashion, thinking about the students and, and them coming back, you know, there were a lot of students that were pretty isolated when they were home. Right, right. You know, so there's yep. one student at home and their only interaction is the parent or parents or sibling. And so getting back to school has been fantastic for them. Right. So they now have those connections. We can see them. I'm also not going to sugarcoat it, and, and but a lot of students who are home um, were not as engaged as we wanted yeah. them to be engaged. And yeah. so, you know, when the district made, made that decision to bring students back four days a week, you know, there a lot of families jumped on that, you know, and we went from a high of, shoot, about 38% of our students almost being remote. Mm -hmm. Now we're down to about 13% of our students were remote. And, you know, the, the energy in the school is, is, is fantastic, you know, and we have our, our, our MSLE leadership team that's here. Oh, yes. So yeah. now that students are in school, we are able to provide them the services in person, which I think is really great, the supports in person. You know, and you talked about, Steve, how that, that interacting, you know, being able to be home and interact with someone who's not right in front of you is a skill that we didn't have to learn when we were growing up, but that these these students are doing right now. But there is also still that skill of, I need to sit in the same room and space with this person mm -hmm. and maybe have a disagreement, and how do I work through that disagreement? Because if I'm home and I have a disagreement, well, screen off and I'm mute, and I no longer have to deal with that anymore. I can avoid it. But when we're in person, we actually kind of need to work through our challenges and, and our disagreements about how we might want this project to go or whatnot. So it's, it's been fantastic to have them back. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that was my, my point. Yeah, like you've got this this structure in place that just is perfect for that, um, that, that cooperation piece. I love it. So you, you, I'm sure you've heard the claim that students engaged in project-based learning outperform their peers in traditional classrooms. And I think you guys can probably speak to that now uh, based on your experience prior to and during. Have you found that to be true here? Yeah, I think, you know, we are... Uh, still in the beginning stages, and like I said, we're we're evolving and we're we're go you know as we go. Um, but definitely some there's been some points that have um, stood out to us. You know, it's definitely important that we be mindful of the direct instruction. We're making sure that our students are getting those basic needs, getting those basic skills. But what we're seeing here is that through project-based learning, now our students are applying those skills in a single lesson or, you know, a, a single time frame that they're working on their PBL. So, you know, um, for example, in fourth grade right now, they're working on endangered species for their PBL. And they might check in for 20 minutes a day, but within that time, they are hitting, you know, their nonfiction uh, literacy skills, making sure they're addressing, um, you know, the content through their science, you know, um, science contents, context. Um, you know, they're, they're applying math by looking at graphs of the amount of endangered, number of endangered species and threatened species in Connecticut versus outside of Connecticut and certain parts of our state. Um, they're writing as they reflect on that, their communication as they're having a discussion about it in person, and of course, technology as they're working to interview people that can speak to us um, about, you know, endangered species. So we are definitely 
focusing on that direct instruction where they're they're getting the the um, content, but they're naturally applying it as they go through PBL, which is the goal. Because you know we talk to them about when they're when they go into their future education or career that that's how it works in everyday life. You know we do it as adults where we're not just using one skill at a time. We're using multiple skills and learning how to apply them appropriately. And also, you're kind of learning on the job, as it were. I mean, in, in, in what I do in the school district, I, I don't know everything about technology. If somebody asks me something, I usually have to go learn it myself first. So the students, it sounds like, are doing something similar, um, where maybe they have to learn how to, to read units of measurement. And they can do that while on the job, air quotes, um, in their lesson. Well, one of my other questions was, which you kind of already touched on, it was how much time is spent with uh, traditional learning versus PBL to, to give them that direct instruction, let's say your, your math facts, for example. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, there is a, a, a significant amount of time that's spent on that direct instruction. But what's great about PBL is that it's not, PBL is not, they're, they're learning as they go, but they're not learning their skills. They're learning more about their impact and how they can make an impact. And they're using their skills to apply that, to gather their research, gather their information, to create that solution to the problem. I think, you know, adding on to that, as you mentioned before, Steve, as, as our instructors who have worked really hard to make this happen at McDonough, they've had to modify so many times in the last year and a half, you know, so we were at the initial stages of planning our project-based learning units and then COVID happened and we went home and then we had to adapt to being fully remote then we had to adapt to being hybrid and now we're back to where we were and so it's nice that we're I'm not going to say that we're out of the pandemic yet but we're moving in the direction where we have more of our kids in school so we can have a continuity of our of our instruction that's there and, and then what's nice is that the teachers are still able to use those skills with technology because they have to, because we still have some kids who are home, right, um, with the students that are there. But what I was thinking about is that, you know, the thing about project-based learning is that you don't, and correct me if I'm wrong, Lauren, but you're not creating a unit and then you're wiping your hands and we're done. This is a, an ever-evolving unit. Mm -hmm. And when we had our our open house for the McDonough, McDonough STEM Academy, Joanne Jukins was there, who was our second grade teacher, and she was talking about her Trash to Treasure program that she's done now. This is her second year going through this particular unit, and the end product this year is different than the end product of last year because it's based on what is the interest of the students in the class and who do we have. And so as we keep continuing, keep continuing to develop these units, they're always going to be morphing, and that's just part of you know, your work as a STEM coach and the teacher's work is to, is to always be in this, I guess, cycle of improvement and modification of these units. Yeah, and just to add on to what Damon was saying, because we, we say it all the time, so we think that, um, you know, uh, everyone's aware, but to repeat for the podcast, for we've, we've had the flexibility, too, as a school to make interdisciplinary units of study where we were able to go through the different content and the different... Um, units and align them accordingly so that, you know, they are getting the direct instruction, but they're flowing nicely where that project-based learning is easily embedded into that. And I, and I think as we move forward, you know, we'll, we'll see our units being part, you know, part of the overall unit of study for the trimester. 
I think what we'll see as years come is that this, these units will become larger and take up more time. You know, as, as teachers become more comfortable with the units and they see the instruction, you know, they will, you know, if it's a couple of weeks now or three weeks now, we're going to see them extending to, to, to encompass more time during our trimesters. I'm glad you mentioned the uh, the teachers because that kind of naturally led into what I wanted to ask is we've been talking about PBL in relation to the students, which is probably the most important relationship. But how have the teachers kind of grasped this? Did they require any extra training? Uh, was it something that was intuitive for them? Uh, how are they doing with it now? Yeah, absolutely. So it's really exciting when a teacher comes and approaches you and says, oh, you know, the kids are really engaged in this. I really enjoyed this part of, you know, PBL and, and what we're exploring so far. And so what we, ha they, the teachers have been going through um, training specifically with, you know, uh, Bucks Institute of Education. And um, we, this year, we've specifically been looking at our different PBL um, for each trimester and working with a consultant. And that consultant has been working in grade levels with us and um, really just kind of, again, honing into who our, our audience is and um, you know, what our task is, what our goal is for them. Um, and the teachers have, I find this year, have just been you know, so much more engaged and, and it's been really challenging for them. You know, I mean, this is being in a pandemic, having to take this on and you know, they've just done such a phenomenal job at really just, um, you know, going uh, full with full force and just um, really making sure that they're implementing it with fidelity. And um, they're, you could tell they're getting excited about it. And, and they wrap up and, and reflect constantly about it and how what changes they want to make next year. So, um, yeah, everyone's been doing a really fabulous job getting getting on board and continuing the work even during a pandemic. I can imagine for, for the teachers, whether or not they're comfortable with it, the payoff has got to be when the kids come to school and they're excited about what they're going to do, right? The kids aren't dreading, oh, I, have to, I have to do math today or, or whatever it is. If, if the kids are excited, the teachers can power through anything. So that's awesome. Well, we could, we could keep going. This is, a, this is a wonderful discussion, and it's really great to... Um, see what's going see and hear what's going on here and that's the goal of this podcast is to get it out what is Middletown doing because each school is doing some different things and so thank you so much for sharing a little while with us and what all your hard work and now it's our job to get it out to everybody so they can they can hear it. So, oh, the website, Lauren or, or Damien, you guys have a new, brand new website I, I have heard about recently. You want to plug it out there for anybody who wants to give it a look, uh, check out and see? Yeah, so you can um, either get there by going to our McDonough school page or McDonough school page for Middletown, or it's um, maxstem.org. Right, for, for uh, the now in Middletown listeners, which we hope there are a few. So as you said, it's MaxStem. We're working towards it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. MaxStem.org. MaxStem.org. Very good. Awesome. Well, thank you, Damien. You're welcome. Thank you, Lauren. Thank and, you. And uh, Alicia, there's episode number, what, three? This is three. Wow. See? Like I said last time, I think we're experts now. This is like a, <laughs> this is like a thing. We're, it is a thing. I mean, we're doing it. Awesome. Well, thank you again for checking us out. Um, you can find us on Spotify and Google 
and Apple Podcasts. We've grown since episode one. Yeah, we are out there in the world. Definitely. All right, well, thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. Blended and Beyond is a production of Middletown Public Schools Instructional Technology, copyright 2021. The podcast is produced by Alicia Carter and Steve Matthews. Editing and original music by Steve Matthews. Join us next time as we talk equity and blended learning with Dwight Sharp, education consultant from the State Education Resource Center here in Connecticut. See you next time.